Hi, hey, hello everybody, FL Teacher here bringing you the review of Leicester XG nil, Arsenal XG1. The match that saw Leicester took almost literally no shots and Arsenal here, deservedly dominating proceedings, shut out Leicester successfully with almost no fuss. We look at what Leicester and Arsenal attempted here while looking at Leicester's play-by-play -play rather than the shots they attempted this match. Leicester City, who had James Madison unavailable due to illness, saw Ndidi come in filling in at central defensive midfield. This did two things. Number one, it had Tielemans and Kevin Cannon Dewsbury Hall push further up the pitch. Secondly, it used their Hea Nacho Barnes combination in order to create chances, or at least attempted to create chances, rather than Dennis Pratt on the right side. Call it what you want, but Leicester essentially defended as a 4-1-4-1 formation, where the Leicester midfield 4 essentially served to ensure that Arsenal did not slip up on the ball, while Ndidi really was a reactionary presence, almost allowing Arsenal to work the ball through Leicester's midfield for Ndidi to sweep up and move the ball upwards. So in essence, Leicester's decision to crowd the midfield allowed a lot of dangerous presences out wide to remain unaccounted for. While they successfully stifled the likes of Bukai Osaka and Odegaard on the right side who tended to cut infield, we saw that out wide they failed to deal with the Trossard Martinelli switches as a lot of their chances were conceded based off rotations to the wide areas. This, Despite the fact that they did not track Zinchenko and Trossard's runs that eventually led to their opener perhaps was an approach that Leicester were okay with dealing with really creating threats in the final third after the hour mark. Everything good about Leicester basically came through Harvey Barnes's partnership with Kiernan Dewsbury Hall in the left half space. Looking through their play-by-play, -play, a lot of the good work was essentially happening with Dewsbury Hall advancing up the pitch, playing crucial 1-2 passes with Barnes as well as left-back Christiansen. So really, when the going gets tough, the left side activates where Christiansen, Dewsbury Hall, Barnes would be a typical passing combination moving into the final third. If not... Barnes himself would offer himself as a wall-passing option, playing the ball down the line for Dewsbury Hall to chase. The question, at least for FPL purposes, would be whether Ikea Nacho or Jamie Vardy would be the target beneficiaries of this build-up. The answer was neither, as Harvey Barnes himself actually made his way into the box to receive passes in the half-spaces via Dewsbury Hall, eventually, well at least being in the best positions to take shots eventually. A quick note on Leicester's right side that continued to have Tete start ahead of Dennis Pratt. In the absence of James Madison, Tete's work was generally defensive. So for FPL purposes, if you're looking for a differential for the big 29 double game week, Tete isn't exactly the most threatening consistently across 90 minutes and really it's about sticking to the basics here.
Arsenal, who dominated the ball so hard that they were almost permanently in their quote-unquote attacking formation. Let's elaborate on that a little bit as nowadays the top six sides tend to defend with one formation and attack with another. The most popular formation really being Pep Guardiola's 3-2-5 or 2-3-5 variant where Arsenal basically did the same thing by pushing Alexander Zinchenko all the way into attacking midfield. This had shades of Joel Cancelo about it, but Zinchenko operated in the half spaces if not as a striker himself, or a deep-lying striker, sorry about that, where Trossard and Martinelli would shift themselves out to the left half space if not the left flank. So this had two effects. Let's start with the most straightforward one with Odegaard almost permanently on the right half space focusing on working with Bukayo Saka as well as Ben White to bring crosses from the right-hand side. Essentially, by running directly into Ndidi, they were shoehorned into making crosses from the right side, although they did try their luck once in a while to cut and shoot from the right-hand side. Now, talking about the left, where Martinelli, Trossard and Zinchenko would almost alternate their positions primarily to draw Tete in field while attempting to suck Ndidi in as well, but really it was about targeting the space outside of Timothy Kastan. So let's start with the triggered movements where Trossard moves out wide and Zinchenko moves into central midfield. Usually, as Trossard pulls wide, Zinchenko would be the one that would bring the ball all the way up and that space is created. Now, Zinchenko in the first half actually found Trossard multiple times down the flanks in order to take crosses or if not take a few shots himself. But really in the second half, things turned alive as Martinelli became the more legitimate threat in the left half space. This was where Trossard's through balls essentially found Martinelli to utilize his typical big XG positioning chances to come forth. Now for FPL purposes, unfortunately, this extremely quick shift away from Eddie and Ketia basically makes us lean now from the Ogregaard saka connection all the way to the left where Trossard and Martinelli are far, far more flexible. Without a pivot player in attack, Arsenal essentially are considered a zonal side now as Ogregaard and Saka almost never drifted over to the left-hand side, nor did Trossard and Martinelli do likewise. But more crucial was the fact that Saka and Ogregaard actually had their best chances narrowly closer to centre of midfield, while Trossard and Martinelli create their chances out wide. So when moving forward with matchups, not only do you evaluate the zones that their opponents are weak in, you also look at the areas of the pitch that they are potentially vulnerable. If you were to target the likes of Leeds, for example, Arsenal would almost certainly see Martinelli and Trossard thrive. While if they were to go up against Southampton, perhaps, then the likes of Odegaard and Saka would certainly thrive. Adversity usually forges heroes, and for Leicester's case, we at least saw the left-side triangle of Christiansen, Dewsbury Hall, and Barnes start to take shape. 
Now, for Arsenal, they've been having a little mini-crisis themselves with results being relatively underwhelming, so it was refreshing to see that they do not need a conventional number 9 after essentially spending most of the season debating whether Jesus or Nketiah would retain or would have the number 9 spot after Jesus' impending return from injury. This is FPL teacher who will round up the last of the first part of game week 25 with West Ham 4, Nottingham Forest 0.